Hey guys, welcome to the Bagging Broadcast, episode number 342. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out Wednesday, June 14th, 2017. <laughs> Why did he say it's so slow? I didn't expect slow. you to draw it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect you to draw it out that long. That's why, why, did he, jump in. why did he whisper? Things I do differently. From week to week, maybe. <laughs> well, then up with our weekly... Shut up. The <laughs> rotating main topic. And this week, it's time for our May look back. We're going to be taking a look back at some of the comic books that came out in May 2017. <laughs> So, so we have Wicked and Divine, 450, uh, one-shot, what annual, whatever you want to call it. So Wicked and Divine issue. Generation X, number one. Black Bolt. Cable. Number oh, sorry. Number one, and Black Bolt, number one. I'm taking my time. Oh, I'm taking I'm, his time. John. There's no rush. No, he's just sipping on it. He's just enjoying <laughs> it. Much like we do with a beer every week. Right? That's right, and we are drinking probably one of the coolest names, very D&D, Ghost Hammer. This is an IPA from Stone. Yeah, it's like a paladin would wield it. Uh, Ghost Hammer. This is a 6.7% beer. Uh, this came became available everywhere this week. What I thought was amazing was it says, drink fresh. <laughs> and it took almost four weeks for it to hit the stores. Oh, so it's really uh, it's really kind of funny that even on the packaging, uh, it says like drink fresh, and then right underneath it would have a date that said like five twelve, and I just was like, well, these packages I need to turn around when I'm stocking them because <laughs> that's very odd that it says drink fresh and it's over almost, a month, <laughs> almost a month old. Uh, it's a good IPA. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's a bargatory IPA. I'm not going to kick down doors and go crazy for this. It, You're not going to write the soldiers about, about not it? Not going to write the soldiers about if it. If you told me this was a session ale, session IPA, I'd be like, okay, it's in that ballpark. You know, it's it's nice, it's light, it's refreshing. It does have that little bit of a hop punch to it. Um, I do get a little a bit of a spicier hop on it. It's uh, not a overly piney hop, but it's definitely not a citrus hop. So it's it's all right. It's you got to take a big chug of it to get that kind of flavor on it uh i'm glad it's in the six pack and john drank one of them because that means there's only four left <clears> in my fridge yeah um yeah it's not it's not wowing me uh it's kind of a cool because it's like a flat white and then it's the silver can underneath so it really kind of shines yeah they but then they have like stone ghost hammer ipa and they have this huge thing written about it and it's like super hard to read because of like the shine and it's nothing about the actual beer it's like talking about like the bs we would come up with about it being like a DD &D hammer where it does d6 of uh, spectral damage after a successful hit yeah you know stuff like that um uh even though it doesn't say D6 worth of damage. It's 6.7% alcohol by volume, which is a, which would be a very heavy session. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's it's, it's it's not a session. But it's sessionable. But it feels sessionable. It it I would sessionable. say it does taste sessionable. It's, I mean, I drank mine relatively quick, and so have you. Um, and we drink them out of 
cup, cup koozies. Uh, beer cozy. Not beer cozy. Uh, just because we've been uh, drinking a lot of canned, drinking a lot of canned beer, and I thought it'd be fun, and I get them from people all the time. So I was like, oh, I'm just gonna bring a couple to for the podcast. I have a BB-8 one. Ah, hmm. I I won like a trivia contest at work, and it was wow. in my prize bag. Nice. And I was like, I don't really drink that much stuff out of cans, but hey, it's cool to have it. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, get on the can train. It is a fun train to be on. It is fun. And not the course like can train. No. <laughs> it drives through the mountains. It comes through the mountains it's and it makes explode everything. through that uh, football stadium, and yeah. all those people that were sitting there are dead, <laughs> and nobody talks about it. They are dead because they all froze to death or got hit by a train. Like, they were not dressed appropriately for that cold front to come in. They should have known it was cold because their cans turned blue. That's that's all I'm saying. The cans turn blue, then your fingers turn blue, then your lips turn blue, and hey, hypothermia! Chris, you drank beer. Yeah. I drank beer uh, yesterday because I had a really long day at work, and I got home and I was like, I'm sorry guys, I can't wait on this until Sunday. I'm going to drink it now. So I drank my uh, Big Bomb bottle of Boulevard Brewing's Rye on Rye on Rye. And this is a rye ale that's been aged in whiskey barrels and then moved to different whiskey <laughs> barrels and aged in that. Um, it sits high at a 14.6%. And while you get a lot of the whiskey taste off of it, it doesn't have a lot of that alcohol burn. Hmm. Um, I think I've recently had even bourbon barrel aged beers that come off a lot more boozy than uh, than this one does. So no dragon's breath on this. No, no dragon's breath. Um, Fourteen point six, definitely a big boy, but you don't really get the burn from it. You don't get the feeling from it, which I think makes this beer really dangerous. I mean, if you really want that whiskey taste, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, it's very drinkable. I finished the rest of it yesterday because um, I, I put it in my fridge. I capped it just to save it because I was drinking it at like one o'clock in the morning. I didn't want to finish the entire bottle, but I, I poured the rest of it and it went down so fast. I was like, Oh my gosh, like I can't believe this is gone. I went back to the bottle and like did the little like sad pour tip to be like, Oh, no more. Uh, oh. I think it was only like 13 or $15 for the bottle. It was really cheap. Um, I want to go see if they have more of it at my beer store. Cause I would definitely like to have this, maybe not to age, but just to enjoy it right now. Yeah, it sounds, if you're not getting any alcohol on it, and it sounds that delicious, like, what are you risking? You are risking the flavor, not anything. So why would you yeah, wait? Why you don't wait? want to KBS it out of out of existence. Like right. After, like, two years KBS, it's just best to drink it. So Ooh, I feel like this would probably not last too long. Besides, it's already been aged. It's a vintage from 2016, so. Yeah, and it's, uh, I mean, it's aged in rye and then aged again, you know, like it's rye cubed um, or squared. But no, it's it's a it's a it's a very very good beer, and it's it's not the big alcohol that slows you down from drinking it. It's the big flavors. Because mm-hmm. um, I had this at a yeah. at a party. It was like a big tasting party, and that was the one that that was one of the beers that everyone kept going back. And pour some more. pouring some more into your glass because you didn't want that glass to go empty. So, you know, you'd have a couple sips left and then you'd be like, I'm not going to finish it yet. And you'd kind of do that where, I mean, we had like a, a Goose Island, mm-hmm. uh, Bourbon County 15, I think, 
We got, got one of those in the fr- fr- uh, fridge still. You got it. Yeah, you got yeah. a sixteen. I got a fifteen. Okay. Um, and it was uh, it was because it was one of my fifteens, and I um, it was one of those ones that it didn't. The party didn't finish without it ha- being drunk, but we drank it and then we moved along to other beers. Where the Ryan Rye was that one that everyone just kept passing around, picking up and going, "Oh, there's a little more. Anyone else? Oh, okay, here you go." Uh, kind of a thing. And when you reach the end, like Chris was saying, I, I, I every time I get to a beer, the end of a beer that I really like, I go, "No more bullets." <laughs> no more bullets. <laughs> and then you also do the thing where you just. Hold it, hoping to get one more drip. Yeah. That's what Chris was just saying. Yeah, yeah that, no, I know. That, that pour. Yep. Oh, no more bullets. But you know what we never run out of? News. Might run out of bullets, but not news. We, we, we run out of news some weeks. Yeah. But right now, we're making our own news with our blockbuster movie buster, The Breakening of the Brackets uh, summer exclusive. You got two of those words right. <laughs> Out of... Out of, like, the eight words we used for the title... Summer movie. <laughs> then you got a two. You got summer movie. And maybe bracket... Maybe you did say oh, bracket... Well, then what's the name of it this year? It's a summer movie, Black Blockbuster, Bracket Buster. The Reckoning? Or I don't... I forget what... I think that was last year. Oh, no, I honestly don't even remember. Last year was bracketing even you say, you say I have to write it down. Yeah. I don't think we came up with that. I much. think you're all missing the point that I always say it wrong... And just oh. add a bunch of words to it. Uh, but we had uh, one movie come out. Yes, one uh, movie that's on our bracket that came out uh, this week. And it was uh, The Mummy, uh, parentheticals, 2017. Not to be confused with The Mummy, parentheticals, 1999. Uh, this is the Tom Cruise-helmed opening of the Dark Universe. And it made $32.2 million dollars. In the domestic box office, this, its opening weekend. So, uh, it's an estimate. This right was now. going up against Spider-Man: Homecoming in the bracket too. Oh, so Spider-Man: I, Homecoming moves. Up. I just looked. Um, I yeah. think one of the the big things is overall this has been a extremely weak summer uh, movies. I mean, Memorial Day weekend, which is usually a real big mm-hmm. kickoff for movies, it was the lowest since it's been since 1991. Yeah, uh, for movies. So it's definitely very interesting how tiny these movies have been. And I don't know if it's just because, for the most part, people are less watching actual TV, mm-hmm. and most of the stuff is all digitally, so they're not seeing the previews or even knowing when movies mm-hmm. are coming out, or if they're just getting Listen. those movies in another way. Listen to the Not episode where uh, myself and friend of the show are... What what do we call it when somebody actually appears on well on an odd episode I guess you know they're, they're a friend of the show they're still a friend of the show friend of the show yeah, I think uh, I would Katie uh, was on and we were talking about the hype coming into Wonder Woman like where the hype didn't really start until the week before it was released with the critical acclaim you know um, and maybe that's partly because she wasn't watching television and she didn't see the previews and we kind of discussed that back and forth and I kind of feel that a lot about. The Mummy, I, I saw a couple clips on television. I do watch live television uh, because the hockey playoffs are on, Stanley Cup Finals, and there was a couple spots for that. Uh, there was also a very cool NBA Finals uh, Spider-Man thing, right, Chris? Yeah, um, I don't know if you guys had a chance to check that out, but during the NBA Finals, uh, Sony and 
Marvel released a little two-minute, not even teaser for Spider-Man Homecoming, but it's a story about Tony Stark inviting Peter Parker to his NBA Finals party and then the journey of uh, <clears throat> Peter Parker and Spider-Man to get to the party. Uh, really fun. There's some sports references in there. There's some jokes. Um, there's a few mentions of, oh, man, I got to get to the NBA Finals party because cross-promotion. Uh, ultimately, I, I really enjoyed it. I kind of wish more movies would do stuff like this. It reminds me of like the Hostess Fruit Pie comic book ads <laughs> or like the, the Subway oh, ones that we had a couple years ago. At the Powered by avocado. They're really dumb, but they can... <laughs> I got the avocado. It's a superfood. Michael Bluther, whatever the dude's name, Michael Phelps. Phelps. That's it, not Michael. Oh Bluther. my god! I understand. Maybe it was Michael something. Fictional, okay. fictional TV character, Olympic <laughs> athlete, gold medal, set a record. Yeah, I'm willing to deal with your like. Yeah, you know what? He, he still comes after Michael Bluth in my mind. Um, <laughs> I'm willing to deal with your two like very aggressive feelings towards sports. Up to a certain point. <laughs> but Michael Phelps has transcended the sports realm and should just be in the, you know, public uh, zeitgeist enough that even... Maybe if he was in more, su- more Subway-sponsored comic books, uh, he would be. But alas, here we are. Um, it, was, it was fun. I definitely recommend checking it out if you've just got, like, two minutes where you're sitting on your phone and you're like, man, I'm out of lives in the game I play. Let me, oh, oh let me watch this. And Stanley cameo. So it's fun. So it's in continuity. And as Paul as Paul asked free show, it's in continuity. Yes, it, this is in continuity. Uh, it's cool. I dig it. Check mm-hmm. it out. And uh, speaking of Michael Bluth, uh, did you guys see that they are working on the next season? And I believe we should expect it in uh, 2018. Is it going to be filmed the same stupid way where each character comes in at a certain time and they kind of uh, no, actually in, parent trap it together? In the, like... In the in the advertising for it, they actually have it. It says like, like this time the family's all together. Oh, okay, that'll be nice. Well, they were working around everybody's different mm-hmm. career just to come back to do this show. Yeah, because David Cross has such a huge career, and what's his name? You know, like now, like where where uh, are they? Well, David Cross was working on his own show in England at the time, mm. uh, which he's done three seasons of. Uh, What's that show's name? The Increasingly Poor Decisions of Todd Increasingly, yeah. Oh, okay. So you actually... I was really hoping that you didn't know that the show's name and I would be... Exactly! Uh, and then... Um, no, it's it's awkwardly bad. I love it. It's so painful. <laughs> it's so, really, 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 uh, it's so good. But it sounds it's like a BBC show. Yeah. Channel uh, 2, huh? And then... Um, but every, I mean, everybody had different things going on in their careers that it was mm-hmm. hard for everyone to get together to, at one time. Mm-hmm. So that's why they decided to do it the way that they did. Um, now everybody's career has run its course. <laughs> they can well, I think everyone... Uh, the thing that they were praised about for years, uh, they came back and did a thing that wasn't as praised, so I think now they want to be like, hey, let's not half-ass it like us as actors did last time. And also, before, they're like, wait, who's paying for this? Net... Net... What? Net what? Netflix with an X? That doesn't sound like it's going to last. That that seems like a dumb business model. And then they're like, ah, oh, that's the most powerful thing in the world? Holy shit. Okay. <laughs> Let's do that. Wait, it won an Emmy? Yeah, Netflix money is like real money now. Yeah, before it wasn't real money. 
No, no, it is. Now it is. House of Cards is winning, winning Emmys. Oranges is a new black is winning Emmys. They're like, oh shit, we can win Emmys. Uh, holy shit, we have a live streaming thing where you can watch it no matter what, and we're gonna put shows out on DVD and sell them that way. Okay, money. Royal- so I get royalty checks. All right, let's do it. Uh, yeah. Um, what was the other news we had? Because uh, I just threw that. News. I just threw that in. There was oh the sadness. Uh, Okay, so let's talk about no, the sad no, news. I don't want no, to no, no, let's do... Uh, sad news in the middle. We'll get the sad sandwich out of the way, and then go right on to the... Uh, Adam West passed away at 88. Our original TV Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, the Batman I think everybody's first introduced to as a young child watching it on reruns. Pretty much. Uh, I remember watching... I mean, I watched that before I saw the Michael Keaton movie. Yeah, I saw it before I read any comic books or uh, anything on TV I, land. I think that was like my second after um, the Super Friends cartoon. Oh, Super Friends. Oh, yeah, yeah. Super but, Friends. Yeah, Chris is. I think Chris is right. That's where I would have seen okay. Batman. Hold on. Super Friends or the Scooby-Doo episode where they meet Batman and Robin, who is Adam West and Burt Ward in the Super cartoon. Friends. I don't think I ever saw that Scooby-Doo until I was, like, in high school and I saw it on Cartoon Network. How was it? Well, for whatever reason, Scooby-Doo was on rerun. I was never a big Scooby-Doo fan. Ooh, shut your mouth. Scooby-Doo was my favorite as a little child. I did enjoy Scooby-Doo. Uh, so I saw Scooby-Doo before I saw Super Friends, because when I first saw Super Friends, I was old enough to be like, this looks horrible and shitty, even though I didn't know the word shitty. Uh, I'm not going to want to spend my time on this. <laughs> turned it off. I'll just learn that word last year, actually. It's <laughs> very true. Uh, I think it, he it, he definitely had a huge resurrection um, with being on, like, The Family Guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think that's how a lot of people, people who are younger than us, because those Batman reruns really right. kind of went off by the time we were 10. They're still on Antenna TV. Yeah, on uh, Channel 49, or 64 here in Buffalo. Uh, antenna TV on Saturdays. I've never even heard of that. Uh, the, it's over the air. It's free. You just need an antenna. Uh, Saturdays or and Sundays, the Superhero Power Hour, mm, where they what, play. What else do they play? Two episodes. Oh, they of just Batman. play two episodes of Batman. <laughs> back to back to back. <laughs> uh, For a while, I think I was the original would be like Wonder Woman or like Greatest American Hero or something. I think I think they had the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk, Linda Carter, uh, Million Dollar Man. Uh, Bionic Woman and Batman, like, in rotation. Uh, okay. Like, it was a super block of those. Um, but I, I it's, um... It's Check sad, your it's sad to see somebody passing. Uh, the man lived 88. He had a great reprise of his career with people loving him from Family Guy. And also, he uh, was on, uh, the Timmy Turner, uh, Fairly Odd Parents. Okay. Which is, you know... It's, yeah, it's another younger. cartoon, yeah. it's another, another voice thing for him. But it was him playing himself. A- and Catman. <laughs> uh, on that show that I think really resurrected him in people's minds. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's unfortunate to have anyone pass away, but it is life. Yeah. Last year we got the resurrection of the Batman 66 direct-to-DVD uh, animated adventure. In the, the Batman 66 And they still have the Batman 66 book. comic, too, mm-hmm. from Jeff Parker. I uh, dare you not to read it in the Adam West voice. Yeah, there's, dare a, you. there's, I, there's no reason not to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So yeah. Is, uh, anyone passing away is an unfortunate thing. But you know yeah. what's amazing? Black well, Panther trailer. I, I do want to mention one thing about 
and was he is that one char- one character actor that kind of got he he became Batman like everybody's like oh and he never seemed to begrudge that fact it's not like you know he would be like oh got you know he's like no I did other stuff too let's let's talk about that he always seemed to enjoy being Batman. Much like, I guess it's yeah. a Batman thing. Like, you know, once you're known as Batman, you're like, yeah, dive right in. Love it. Own it. And uh, that's what I kind of love most about Adam West, that he wasn't afraid to take on new roles, poking fun at himself in, Adam, in uh, Family Guy or in uh, Fairly Odd Parents. But, and even um, I, watched a, I watched a clip about uh, – just a clip on IMDb kind of talking about his life and his career and stuff and he was on um uh big bang theory you know blackface for nerds and uh and he was on there making you know jokes about himself and everything too so yeah and he seemed to honestly enjoy it like he was part of the joke he was he never let himself become a joke he was always in on it yeah and he also charged people an arm and a leg to get his autograph and take a picture with him. He will be missed. <laughs> I feel like I kind of want producer Scott here because he had a more uh, more of an affinity for Adam West and Burt Ward. Like he has a signed photo of I think both of those guys. Yeah. But the Black uh, Panthers. Uh, what do we know about Wakanda? Uh, it's not what you think. Uh, agriculture. It's not in South America. A small place in Africa, mostly agriculture, keeps it themselves, not really on the global scene. Like, no, they are te- technological wizards. First time we see, uh, since Age of Ultron, Kang show up again. Claw. Claw. Ulysses oh, Claw. Yeah. yeah, Ulysses Claw. Sorry. Uh, and also, we get to see from Civil War, and it's it, it, it's what's his name in physical form. He's not motion capturing that performance. Oh, Andy, 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 Andy Circus. <laughs> That's who he's real. <laughs> Last time I saw him as a real live character, no, he's actually skull he's still motion capturing it and then <laughs> making them put him in digitally. That's the only way he can work now. Uh, yeah, King Kong. Where he's he played, only he's comfortable is wearing that suit. He played King Kong, and he played. Uh, Cook Cookie, the cook in the uh, in the movie. Hmm. Did he kill himself? I've, I've also heard rumors he can only orgasm if he's wearing ping pong balls, but I don't know. <laughs> you really got to work them balls. <laughs> oh, that was horrible. <laughs> Might be the title of the episode. Got to work them balls. Uh, I think oh, that was horrible is better. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, but this looks like for a one and one minute and like forty second trailer teaser. I feel like this was the most teaser. It's, it's most. It's most. It's a trailer. Yeah. Versus since uh, Star Wars Episode Seven teaser trailer, where you're like, it made me stand up and be like, okay, cool. No, I'm in. Oh man, it, I, I think it looks. I think it looks great. And Black Panther movie. You know, they announced it, and I was like, okay, Black Panther. Um, I got a bigger. Affinity for the character in um, when uh, who's your one of your favorite writers there with Jeff uh, Lemire? No, uh, uh, oh yeah, Fantastic uh, Four with Jonathan Jonathan, Jonathan Hickman. Hickman with Jonathan Hickman's yeah. uh, Avengers stuff that he was doing, whether it was oh. where it was focusing around Black Panther, I was like, okay, I like this character. And then when I saw him in Civil War, I was like, 
I can get behind this guy. I like this. So mm-hmm. with this trailer, I was like, I'm down. I like it. And I also like the fact that it looks like it is a single hero movie. It's not mm-hmm. bringing in other characters into this. It's his own his own story where I've been enjoying, you know, Captain America, um, Civil War, even Captain America, uh, Winter Soldier. It's bringing in all these other characters kind of team up movie within mm-hmm. the movie um, where I like the look of this one being just the superhero. See, I felt in Civil War, Black Panther was used as the moral compass where it's the whole story is about vengeance and what it can do to a person. Like when you seek vengeance, it's, you know, uh, that's what Baron, Baron Zemo's whole motivation is to get vengeance out, out of, uh, what is it, Sokolov? So- what, what's it? Sokovia. Sokovia. And then Tony Stark is, you know, he, he, he he's like going to turn, the, he almost turns the corner, spoilers, uh, to forgive everybody about, you know, his family's death. And then all of a sudden, at the very end of the movie, he's just consumed by this need for vengeance. And then, but Black Panther is on, you know, on a collision course to be like, I'm going to kill the man that killed my father. And then at the very end, he's like, no. Vengeance is the answer. That's a whole cycle. It will tear each other apart. I am a hero. And, and you know, he, he, he saves Baron Zemo at the end. Um, so I feel like he, we got moments of his character, but it was mostly for plot reasons, not for its own character, you know, for our own character development. Uh, I think the actor has a presence and a gravitas that, that he brings. Agree. Chad Boswick. Right? Chaz Boswick or Chad Boswick? Chadwick Boseman. Boseman. Oh, man. I was way off on all of it. Uh, <laughs> I think he brings a gravitas in, in the trailer. It comes through. Uh, the fight scenes in it are visceral, are on the ground, which is different than the last Marvel movie we just got, which was Doctor Strange, which was folding no, reality. Guardians. Oh, Guardians, right. Okay. But that they're was... flying around with jetpacks. Yeah. So this is street yeah. level again. And you kind of would think maybe, oh, would this be better serve as a Netflix movie, uh, Netflix thing? And then you're like, no, no, this is good. Let's let's do full movie. It's yeah, you're gonna be able to have world better, yeah. better action, better visual effects, everything. Better world building, actually yeah. setting the stage for Wakanda yeah. and the world stage and where it is. And, uh, oh, sorry. Oh, and I just want to say too, like, um, uh, what's his name is Claw. He brings a. Andy Serkis. Andy he Serkis. He, about he brings a gravitas, too, to that character. And he's handcuffed in a chair, just delivering some lines, and you're like, guy's a slimy, slimy oh, guy. Oh, man. I can't wait for him to be a bad guy, because I know he's going to be a good bad guy. Yeah, he's going to do it well. Chris, what Looks good. I like it. You like it? Okay. <laughs> good. Looks good. I like it. Know Looks what good. I, know what I, I like? It. No, it's it looks fantastic. Um... I'm looking forward to seeing that kind of like futuristic tribal, like uh, country coming out of Wakanda. I I think it's going to be awesome. Um, Isn't I don't have a lot to say because I mean we we've seen so much of him already in Civil War. Like it's not like we're being introduced to this character. It's not like there's going to be a lot of freshness. And I don't want that to sound negative at all. But it's it, we're getting like Black Panther 1.5. You know, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. Wakanda reminds me of like every alternate history 
kind of thing. Like it's like, oh, we're we're in present day, but what if X happened in the past before? And I, I enjoyed yeah. that being allowed to. Live what if aliens place. killed the dinosaurs and left their technology behind for us? Yeah, kind of st- stuff like that. Yeah. Um, what was the thing we were talking about pre-show, and we were having a big conversation about it, and then we said, oh, we should shut up and save this for the podcast. Uh, oh, the, the, mummy, the movies. mummy movies. For Brendan Fraser versus Tom Cruise. Brendan Fraser. <laughs> Who's the real box office draw? You might be surprised. <laughs> Tune in at 11. No, no. Or just gotta, listen to us talk about it now. <laughs> you just say click. <laughs> click here. Uh, yeah, no, we were talking... Who was going to talk about this? We were, well, we I was going to say, Paul had, the, Paul had all the numbers, so... Yeah, we, we talked about... Oh, you know why? Because we, we went through the numbers quickly, because we opened with it. 32.2 million. Uh, guess how... Guys, you want to guess how much the Brendan Fraser mummy movie made opening Four, weekend? 46 million. Uh, close. 43.4 oh. million. Uh, and you might be like, oh, well, that would look like a fun movie, kind of made its money... There's no way the second movie did better, right? Oh, I I don't know. I saw I saw both Brendan Fraser movies in the theater. I saw all three Mummy movies in the theater. Uh, the Mummy Returns, sixty-eight million dollars. Whoa! Twice as much as the Tom Cruise The Mummy. Over twice as much. And then you're like, well, it had to drop off by the fourth one. Tom Cruise is a bigger box office draw than the tired Brendan Fraser series where they go to ancient China, right? No, no. 40 million. 40 million. There's no... <laughs> still more. What a humdinger more. that was. Back in 2008. This is this is before 3D movies, guys. <laughs> no. What's well, before... <laughs> it wasn't released in 3D. No, movies. but it's not before 3D movies. Right. But not blue and, blue and red 3D, but before the... New wave of the, okay, the new wave of 3D movies, IMAX movies. There was no IMAX theaters that you would go to regularly, other than at a science museum. All right, do you want to pinpoint that even um, smaller for us? <laughs> well, because no, you I, think do it's, it. I think it says a lot more about the type type of movies that people want to see <laughs> than it is like the actual movies. I mean, yes, Tom Cruise is a big like movie star. Brendan Fraser. Not, but they're very, very different movies. And kind of what we were talking about pre-show is the fact that this is supposed to be the next part of the Universal Dark uh, Universe or Dark Line, whatever they were calling it, where they were trying to create a cohesive universe for like the Universal monsters. Um, Starting with the Mummy scene, Dracula. Well, no, Dracula, Dracula that came out Dracula, like two years ago with Luke Evans was actually the first one. Really, well, it was yeah. supposed to be the first one, and now they were. Nixing that one. Well, because that one didn't do well either. Yeah, uh, but that was supposed to be the start of it. Because uh, yeah, if I, if you were to tell, give me the Universal monsters, which one do you start with? Dracula, always Dracula. Yeah. Uh, Even but, though Iron Man was no, we, not the guy that I would start with, <laughs> if you were to tell me, oh, we're going to do an Avengers series, who should we start with? I would have been like Captain America. People know Captain America, right? Wasn't yeah, the Captain like, America. wasn't the werewolf like the Wolfman movie that came out? supposed to be part of it too no or am i just the, making that no, oh, no. the because bene- i think there was supposed to be some sort of connective tissue between the mummy and this one like someone's character appears in it too or something um not the, that i del know Toro. of because that was benicio del toro and anthony hopkins where anthony hopkins was supposed to be benicio del toro's father uh 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 that's not right <laughs> wait jurassic park <laughs> uh 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 that's not right uh 
but no, um, this was this Nobody is cares. really the launching of it because you have uh, Russell Crowe playing Doctor Jekyll, um, and then you're also they're also were throwing in some stuff where you might see um, some Phantom, Phantom of the Opera was going to start being connected to this, and there was another. Um, another character connected that you were like, really? That character? I can't remember which one. I can understand if they go Phantom the Opera route, if like he is kind of like in um, uh, Fables with Jack, where every Phantom is the same Phantom. He's most, most, most likely known as, like he has the most development as the Phantom of the Opera, but every single Phantom is the same guy. Kind of like Jack and Jack the Giant Killer. Jack and the uh, Jack that jumps over the candlestick, but mostly everybody kind of knows. I can understand that, but he's not really a ghost. Oh, then. Do you not know Phantom of the Opera? What that uh, is about? No. Okay. No. Yeah, that's weird. I know there's a boat. Yeah. And I saw it like in seventh grade at the Ford's Theater in. So you've seen the play, so you understand that <laughs> yeah. he's an actual like disfigured person. It's no. a dude. It's a person. It's not a ghost. He's here. Inside my mind. That's all I know. Because he's looking through you through a peephole. He's not a ghost. He's not a ghost. I, you it's are 33 years old. I should not be explaining <laughs> the fact that the fam of the opera is not a ghost. This is, what's really sad is this is the guy that hates musicals, except for Annie. <laughs> and he's giving me shade. <laughs> I know the story. I don't know the story. I Obviously, pay- <laughs> you don't know the story. I didn't pay attention. You, I-, <laughs> I don't care. Honestly. But he's not a... I mean, what makes... He's called the Phantom of the Opera. I'm walking in thinking I'm going to see a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't I? Okay. Okay. But yeah. I'm not feeling bad about that. <laughs> I'm not. Because, honestly, fan of the opera. I don't feel I'm missing out on not knowing that story. Okay. It's a good musical, I mean. Sure. You knew the inside my mind. Yeah, because it's the the hook of that song. Uh, okay. I don't know where to go from that. Uh, your, your revelation of not knowing that the Phantom was on a ghost... Um, Blew my mind, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, well, this beer isn't blowing anybody's <laughs> mind. The Ryan, Ryan, Rye did. Are we done talking? Ryan, Ryan, Rye, really good. Okay. About news, yeah. That's all right. Brendan Fraser. Good. Go Fraser. pick it up. Watch those movies. Spend less money on those movies than you would on a ticket to see this new one. Uh, Dark yeah, you can buy the whole Mummy trilogy on Blu-ray for what it would cost to go see the movie in the theater. Just mm-hmm. do that. I still want to see The Mummy just because I, and, I think it looks cool. I don't think it's going to be good, but... I think it looks interesting. Uh, it's definitely the one that's setting up this dark universe world and um, what they're going to be trying to do with this. And I do want to say that DC, who are trying to do the the Dark Justice League, uh, yeah. were pissed that they were the, used what they were calling theirs. Oh. Um, with, uh, with with Dark that. Universe. But they're all part of the same family, so who cares? They're all Warner Brothers. Oh, they are, aren't they? Uh, no, Universal's, no, Universal Studios. Universal. Okay. Universal's, yeah. Sorry, that was my bad. Ha- who is Hammer Studios? So Hammer Studios is now owned by Universal? 
Because no, Hammer, Hammer Studios was its own. Just yeah, that's, it. that's still an that's still in English. England. So there's still hope that we might get an actual good version of this from because Drac because the whole Dracula line that I watched on AMC back in the day with those Chris, are just more Dracula. Uh, there's there's different. Yeah, uh, that was all you Christopher Lee. Uh, Dracula's like a Dracula's like a public domain character. Yeah. Vampire in Brooklyn wasn't like, oh, they just <laughs> took the, the lore of Dracula, you know. I want to play Fury, Dracula, the board game that I, I thought have. you were going to say, I want to see that movie. And I was like, nobody wants to see a Vampire in Brooklyn. All right. Well, uh, but back to this beer. Yeah. Well, uh, so we were drink- talking about this beer. We were drinking another Stone beer, and this would be Paul what? This is Stone, enjoyed by 70417. Unfiltered IPA. Uh, 9.4 alcohol, by the way. Oh, you guys should have waited until 4th of July to drink. No, you don't want to do that, because that is the last day that this beer is good to drink. Procrastination is never the last episode that isn't up yet. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So, with these beers, they are made to drink completely fresh. Uh, They have, like, 34 days Mm -hmm. for you to have this. This was canned on... 529. Uh, came out the same day. Uh, the same day I got Ghost Hammer was the same day I got this beer. Uh, so same day that I bought both. Uh, and one was two weeks older than the other. Uh, these are usually always very good, and I say that because I've I've had some that didn't wow me, and some that have. Um, we saw in 2016 a overdose of enjoy buys we were getting them almost every other month and this year they've slowed down with that uh more hitting those kind of holidays enjoy Mm -hmm. by halloween enjoy by uh, valentine's day enjoy by fourth of july yes once a quarter this is a good enjoyable beer this does not drink like it's almost 10 percent no uh this is, uh, just because of that fact, I'm putting this above the unfiltered IPA from Southern Tier, which I do enjoy. The 2X unfiltered? Yeah, 2X. The, nothing wowed me out of 2X. It tasted just like a fresher 2X. It, it, but it's got that robust pininess that I liked about it. I have one more bottle, which I should have drinking already, but, you know, I'm just been slowly it cold. It should be okay. Yeah, it's in the fridge uh, in the basement because, you know, I live... A luxurious lifestyle now. I have a fridge in my basement. Uh, it's, you know, it's definitely good, but this, because it's so easy to drink, and I get that nice pop of not overly piney hop, but a nice balanced hop. Yeah. Uh, not an overly drying sensation on the tongue. Everything about this beer is just, I, I, I want to say middle of the road without it sounding insulting. Because it's... It's just enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it now. Enjoy it all the way. Not buy. Just enjoy it all the way. And, and they are calling it a double IPA. A lot of times they would list, like, uh, this has got 12 different hops in it, or this mm-hmm. is nine. They're not even saying what hops are in this one, mm-hmm. which I feel they're getting a, way, a little bit away from exactly what the what's going on with the beer and why this is different. I would get away from that, too, since InBev is buying out all the hops. I would stop talking about which exact hops I was using and just, like, trying to go to the market, buy what I can, balance it out with and the alphas just make a good and beer. make a good beer. 
Uh, yeah. And hopefully come up with a new strain. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of good beer, I had something else what? the other day that I bought at the same time as I got my Rye on Rye on Rye. Not very good. Well, that was your mistake. You should have just bought two bottles of Rye on Rye on Rye. I, well, here's the thing. The other bottle I bought, it was only $3.49 for the bomber. Was uh, it for full sale? The, what was that? Full sale? No, it was actually... Uh, Did you return all your bottles to afford it? Like... Here's all my bottles. No, they, they oh, I get a free beer. They don't do that in Florida. What? Um, no, yeah, they don't recycle bottles. Those Florida crackers. Uh, but it was the Colonial Ale from Blue Point Brewing. Uh, mm. I've never actually seen a bomber from them before, so that's kind of what sparked my interest. Toasted Lager is one of yeah. my kind of go-to just drinkable beers. I, there's nothing really stand out about it. It's just very pleasant, nice and crisp. I always enjoyed it. Hoptic Illusional as well. So, you uh, enjoy, right? Optical so I saw this one, um, three dollars and fifty cents for the bomber. It was a ale that's been aged with golden molasses and um, like Simcoe hops. So I was like, okay, you know what? Whatever, this might be good. Uh, no, <laughs> was not a fan at all. Basically, it tasted like balsa wood. Like if you were making oh. one of those cheap little like build it yourself planes that like have a rubber band propeller. Mm-hmm. The only he just decided, no, you know, instead of taking this outside to fly, I'm just going to chew on the pieces. It was like that. I feel and like in my I don't think this is any fault that. of Blue Point because I also had a similar beer from Terrapin, which was their Lucille. It was the next of their Walking Dead branded beers, which was the same kind of thing. It was an ale brewed with blackstrap molasses on pine. Same thing, just a lot of woody taste, and you do get a little little bit of like the molasses sweetness up at the front but ultimately it just tastes like licking floorboards and i don't know why this style of beer's a thing because they're just not enjoyable like i don't know anyone that would be like man you know what this beer needs just chips of wood uh yeah just throw wood in there i mean that's too bad um we've definitely had some good barrel aged molasses beers uh curmudgeon from founders being one of them um, the black IPA from Founders, aged in yeah. bourbon with molasses. Well, plus I, like, at least it was only three dollars and fifty yeah. cents. So I, I didn't feel burned, but it just, I didn't even finish it. Um, it was a drain pour. And what was it? Uh, um, I have Blue Point had out. It's called like Howling Bastard or Howling something uh, barley wine that came in a bomber bottle that we used to get. Yeah, but if I hear ale. With molasses, I usually stay away. But because curmudgeon is a barley wine, you listed all. It's an old ale, old so ales. it's close. Okay. It's well. in the same realm as a barley wine, but it's not. All right. Well, I, I considered have a, a barley wine. I, I have color difficulty, so my spectrum, you know, <laughs> runs a little wider than other people's. Um, <clears throat> no, I, yeah, I stay away from the because even uh, one of those from Victory, they have one as well, an ale. I think H with molasses. Isn't it 12 Monkey? And they did a special release, and I just did not. They might have done, yeah. I know, like, right now, like, you have, uh, it's not 12 Monkey, it's Golden 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 Monkey. Monkey. Okay. Uh, They have Sour Monkey, which is a sour version of that, and then they're going to be putting out White Monkey, which is Golden Monkey aged in, like, white Zinfandel barrels. That does not sound good. I only, like, red Zins, like, old fine Zins. I do not like a white. Well, it's a white. It's a white wine. I don't know if it's yeah. white Zinfandel. It's a white wine barrel. Oh, you know, you know what I like? 
What comic do you like? Books. Ooh, yeah, comic books are great. Uh, Chris, especially the comic books coming out this week, June fourteenth. I don't remember the date. It was fourteenth, and you got to slow it down. For Wednesday, June fourteenth, two thousand seventeen. Oh my goodness, guys! Please don't. It makes people think there's an error with the podcast, <laughs> and they hit pause to look at it, and then they die in a car crash because they're looking at their phone instead of on the road. They shouldn't be doing that. They no, sh- no, they should be listening to us. They should recording. be. They should be picking up Winnebago Graveyard coming out from Image Comics. This is a new number one written by Steve Niles, sucker for Steve Niles books. Uh, on occasion, I like them. On occasion, I don't. Uh, but sometimes you're a sucker for liking them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is art by uh, Allison Sampson. And this is uh, an American family traveling on vacation finds themselves stranded in a small town with a sinister secret. Uh, honestly, there was not much coming out this week, and it seems to be a continuous thing for us to say. Not much yeah. coming out mm-hmm. this week. Uh, and kind of tying into something that Paul and I were talking about uh, just how comic books have been down, yeah, um, and people aren't as interested as lately, and it kind of feels like it's maybe their faults. It, it, well, that was isn't that what we're talking about next week? No, no. That, our, our, did our, we set that up as a main topic? I, I if it is, hey, look forward to a future show. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Nothing big, nothing grand. Um, Chris, do you got something big, something grand that you're looking forward to? Nope. Uh, when I went through my pull list, again, it's a it's a light week for me. I'm picking up the same stuff that I usually buy from DC. I'm getting Green Lanterns, I'm getting Nightwing, and I'm getting Titans. And that's it for the week. Like, There's nothing else coming out that I'm picking up. I took another look to see if there was something that made me think, like, oh, let me check this out. And no, there's really nothing that makes me want to plunk down my money. And then when I do see a number one that I'm like, oh, let me look at that. I, I'm tending to think like, no, I'd rather not spend that $4 on something that I'm ultimately not going to enjoy or want to continue on with. Like, it's it's getting hard. Or it's a number one that's not a real number one. Where yeah. it's like just a pickup of the continuation of the series, which has been difficult. But we'll talk about those things two weeks from now. Two uh, weeks. Because next week, unless you guys want to switch it, is the trading policy for uh, my pick... Afterlife with Archie, Volume One. Um, but uh, my did John just like walk out and slam the door? No, no. <laughs> the, I have the windows open, so you might hear some background noise. Sounds uh, like okay. summer here. In I thought John was trying to like, nope, I've had it with this. Uh, he, he had the door open a little bit, and he and the door slammed behind him because of the wind. Uh, I'm picking up. I'm like we've been saying, it's a down week, so it's one of those Paul classic picks where he says he's going to check in on a book. And then forgets to buy it. Uh, I'm going to try to check in on the Hulk, number seven. Uh, the tagline for this is, let them eat cake. Uh, if we remember Hulk number one, where Jennifer Walters was using a online video series of cooking, which my wife has now fallen into quite a bit to fall asleep. The great uh, British... Uh, uh, my wife and I have been watching those. Those, those British Master classes and the British... Uh, oh, no, we were watching the Great British Cook-Off. Yeah, the British... That's, that's their big thing yeah, yeah, yeah. right now. That's what uh, Kate falls asleep to, so I'm and kind I, of feeling like Jennifer Walters here. You know what I love about that? Sidebar is... Uh, their names? Mary Berry and Holly Hollywood? <laughs> uh, 
Uh, no, I go, you can make something like that. And then my wife goes and makes me a dessert. Oh, it's like 10 o'clock at night, and she's making me a coffee cake, and I'm like, yeah, coffee cake. Jennifer Walters. Uh, I'm been... sorry, I'm feeling a little drunk, and I... <laughs> we just opened up another big boy. I know. So in love. Uh, this is Hulk number seven. Apparently, Jennifer Walters has been using those video series. Let's just say it's a great British cook-off uh, online, watching those online to calm herself down, to keep herself from transforming into the Hulk. Finally, issue seven, the Hulk busts out because somebody... Have adds, you been reading these? No, I'm checking in on it. You're checking in <laughs> checking in on it. And the uh, cover is her, like, side of her face with, like, a little cut over her yeah, nose, yeah, yeah. right? Where, yeah, she's transforming. Uh, because on the covers that you've seen previous to this is her, like, hulking out, like, lifting a car up, her being a Hulk. So I yeah. think you might have missed where you think this was going in the first six issues. Because mm-hmm. this is, what, like, nine? This is seven. Seven? So, yeah, I think... Which is funny, because you got the math right when you said, in the first six <laughs> issues. And then instead of just saying, what is a seven... And then jumping up to nine, which is kind of funny. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of odd because she's yeah she's been hulking out. The, that that's probably been resolved within the first six issues. Yeah, it might have been, but it says that she's caught on camera transforming. Uh, but we'll have to figure out what Jennifer Walters, aka Jenny, has said in those <laughs> previous issues. Yeah, were you throwing that over to the beer? I'm not throwing no. it to the beer, but I'm just. What I'm doing is tantalizing people to let them know that we're going to be reviewing Single Cut. Uh, yeah, said. you should just get ready to read your review, your uh, dramatic reading, bud. Somebody's got to introduce that first. And now, a dramatic reading from Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, number nine, page five, panel one. Blackbird, part two. Blackbird Fly, Julie Benson and Shauna Benson, writer. Raj Anitio, artist, Elian Pasqualiqua, colors, Josh Reed, letters, Yannick Paquette, and Nathan Farenbaren, color, I can't read, cover, 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 because I can't zoom in, and now I've lost the page because I tried (laughs) to zoom in, Uh, Kimon Shinyana, variant cover, Dave Wigazes, artist, editor, Chris Conroy. Assistant editor. Sorry. I can't zoom in. Um, Chris Conroy. Editor. Mark Doyle. Copy editor. Group. Oh, group editor. I can't zoom in. Batman. Created by Bob Kane. With Bill Finger. Sorry. I know you're supposed to let the Wookiee win. But I've never been one to follow the rules. I read that whole panel. That was a dramatic reading. (laughs) I couldn't get the teeth to fly out. I'm sorry. I should have done that. I'm sorry, everyone. I told them to read that because I thought it would be funny. couldn't zoom in. <laughs> I clicked on it to zoom it in, and it just goes to the stupid, the, the, uh, the skeleton flying <laughs> around here. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and before we get into the main topic, Paul and I have one last beer to review. 
We've got uh, so many comic books to read. Let's review the beer between two comics. I'm still enjoying my enjoy buy. All right. Let's let's talk about some comics. Yeah, why don't we just do it in the middle? Yeah. All right. Let's Come start on. with uh, Chris's book because I'm signed into his accounts. That works out okay. Um, it's hard for me to pick which one I want to talk about the most on this because um, I, I don't feel like either one of them requires too much discussion. So I'm going to go with Generation X number one. Um, this is the, I guess, rebranding of the X-Men line now that they're relaunching everything out. Um, this book's uh, starring Jubilee as kind of advisor because she doesn't look like she's going to be a teacher at the new Xavier school that's been transplanted to Central Park. Because she's um, a mess. Written by Christina Strain. Say what? Because she's a mess. They she's write a her. Mess. They write her as a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, written by Christina Strain, art by Amalcar Pina. Um, yeah, if you basically take everything that we liked about the Wolverine and the X-Men book, which was focusing more on like the crazy weird students and their just general day-to-day life at the school, but then you take away everything that was good about it, I feel like you have Generation X. Yeah. Um, and this is it's, this, this is a, a bringing back of something that's like twenty years old because I used to collect Generation X comic books when I was a teenager. When I was like thirteen, fourteen, fifteen years old, I was getting these comic books, and it was more that my dad just I wanted an X Men book, and he got me a subscription to Generation X. So I was kind of looking forward to this, and then aside from Jubilee. I don't. I, I'll, I'll let Chris. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Chris. No, you're you're, you're good. Um, because yeah, I I had my hopes up when I opened up, and it was you know focusing on Jubilee and Chamber, like mm-hmm. taking Shogo for a walk. Um, they remember that Jubilee is a vampire. You see her fangs at one point, and then like we go to the school, and you see some of the characters that were introduced in Jason Aaron's awesome Wolverine and the X Men run. Mm-hmm. The one inside out boy no longer wears contacts because he kept on losing them in his fingers, which is funny. Yeah. And that was my favorite part of the book. I was... <laughs> like, the artwork is really shaky on it, but I was hoping maybe, like, oh, you know what, I'm I'm seeing these characters that I know and really enjoyed before. Maybe this will kind of bring me through the book. But it, it didn't. I would say that the um, artwork in this book is less than shaky. This artwork is awful. The way that this artist draws faces and the angles that he draws faces on are awful. Uh, every time I saw an awful face, and especially like a Jubilee trying to yeah. be Asian face, I was just like, ooh, it's yeah, awful. Everybody had very wide set eyes. Very just wide features that made them look alien. It reminded me of uh, when right after uh, what it was it Infinite Crisis, the relaunch of the Green Lantern series. That artist, where even Hal Jordan, looked oh Doug like Mankey, an alien. yeah, I mean everybody looked like an alien. Yeah, Doug Mankey art. It reminded me of that, which was so off-putting for I think all three of us as well. Uh, it was difficult to get through because of that, and then the story just wasn't that interesting where it's a new kid coming in and learning that oh i don't want to be here because you guys are a mess like everybody's a mess yeah i don't don't want i don't want to be in this book either kid 
Yeah. <laughs> I agree uh, on something. Uh, yeah, it's it's really bad. And the Generation X book that I read 20 years ago was really good. And it was all these young characters coming together. They're not quite the X-Men team, uh, but they are a team together. And they're led by Emma Frost and Banshee. And you had Skin and you had Mondo and... You know, the thing that tied them together was the person from the X-Men team, Jubilee, where they're all that same age kind of characters. And, uh, you know, Chamber was someone who was there. He wasn't really part of the team, but he was in some of the books. So I was actually really excited to see Chamber in this, because I was like, oh, maybe we'll see Skin, maybe we'll see Mondo, maybe we'll see Husk. And it isn't. And... You know, you have a feeling about Jubilee, and I think a lot of people our age have a sense of who Jubilee is and was coming from the X-Men cartoon. And this is the Jubilee that loses her fucking child in Central Park. And you're like, wow, that's... The thing that gets me about that stuff, though, too, is when we actually had the Brian Wood X-Men book coming out a couple years ago that starred Jubilee. Jubilee, Kitty Pride, Rogue, Storm, Psylocke. That was them kind of getting these characters together in the book, and it was showing that, no, like, Jubilee's, like, growing up now. Like, she's been through all this stuff, and she's gotten her shit together. And now, like, you see her, and she's just human, like, trash fire again. Yeah, you see her as someone who is who's willing to give up everything to be a mom who still feels an obligation to help out these people who are her family. And this is just... Yeah, I'm a mess. Yeah, I'm this. I'm that. Like, yeah, Kitty Pride. Things are tough. Oh, I brought the wrong bottle. I have like my adult coffee cup, and I was gonna oh, give it that, to that's, my that's blood. That's her blood. Oh, because she's a vampire. I just thought it was a red cup. That I'm sorry. Around. I didn't. That walks around in the daylight, and I don't blame you for not noticing she's a vampire because that's a st- stupid, stupid storyline. And and Paul, you you nail it. The only thing that's good in this book is. That character being like, yeah, I'm wearing glasses now because I, I kept losing the contacts of my fingers. Because it's yeah. a character you I, like. I like seeing Qu- I like seeing Quentin Quire again. Like I always appreciate whenever he pops up in anything, but I it, did. It's but just not enough. He's ten thousand dollars shoes. Come on, I mean, mm-hmm. he scuffed them up, and I'm paying for the school. Yeah, yeah. you know, it was. <laughs> I know. Come on, uh, it, it was awful. The mutant with three thousand dollars shoes. Come on. Come on. I didn't like that character. I didn't like, I mean, nothing about these interaction of these characters and who we were going to be following was good at all. Like, nothing was re- anywhere interesting in these characters. And I think 50%, uh, I'm going to say 40% is the writing, and 60% is this is the art in this book. Because when you're not, when the artist doesn't have to draw somebody's face... It's okay, but when you have someone's face on a panel or a page, and that's every single page, for the <laughs> most part, it's it's awful. It's the weirdest angles. It's the it is literally some of the worst art. If I took drawing classes for a year and worked as hard as I could, I think I could do better faces than this. And it starts with page. You guys look at page one, because page one. Page one. Mm-hmm. Well, page one, like, Jubilee's face when she's, like, yelling is terrible. And then later, after she loses Shogo, hmm. you see the 
baby standing next to a tree and I'm like, how big is that baby now? And then like in the next panel, I think it like either she or Chambers holding the kid and like it's back to like baby size. Yeah. Is that baby that, that, as tall really, as a like, tree? Took me out. The the only thing that is is good is Chambers face cuz half of it is covered up. <laughs> uh it's 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 really bad. I did enjoy no seeing No reason for Chamber to be there other than to be like, "Oh, this is Generation X number 1. We got to show Chamber." We got to show Chamber. We got to It could have been any character. This, it could have been anybody yeah. because they have no con- Jubilee and Chamber. What's their connection? Generation X from 20 years ago. Yeah. And that's been it. Like and why is he in New York instead of England? I don't know. There there, was, I there mean, was like nothing. seeing like I was I was annoyed seeing like a uh, brood is someone who's calling out things like he's actually working for the school or and something. And he has his mind back. Uh, How did that happen? I don't know. But then like he seems like he's part of the school and teaching, and then you have that guy who's waiting in line for the drinking fountain, being like, eh, "I'm wearing glasses now." I'm like, "What isn't that?" How old is he? He's huge. Like he's not old enough to be part of the school. The faculty guy. Oh, Glob was. Yeah, Glob's just a big dude. He was huge when um, he showed up in New X Men. Right, but yeah, exactly. when Morrison was with on Kid it. Brood, like the with Brood with Kid Brood. You but, know, this might be another character. This might be another Brood. It might not be. No, he's wearing like he's wearing like the suit. Like oh, so it is. And, and he's speaking like eloquently and intelligent. Like yeah. So I mean, there's th- there's there are plot holes in this book. There are it all this book. What it made me want to do is dig through my six long boxes and ten short boxes to dig out and try to piece, pa- patch together my Generation X comic book collection. And, and realize they weren't any good either. You know what? No, they were they were they 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 weren't great, but they were good. They were good, and the characters were interesting. Because if you go like, back in time, like skin skin is just a dude. He's got like I can search my skin, and I liked that character. I liked him. He was I, I remember cool. that character from that uh, Generation X television made for television. Yeah, which was really bad. It was but so you, bad. It but it was better than this. The art was amazingly better. That weird villain from like, another dimension world thing that had connections. John, to can I assign you homework? I want you to read those Generation X books again. And tell I'm me, not gonna. I, and I, tell I, me if they were better than the Dark unpack, Phoenix Saga. I gotta un. Because, oh, no, those are I, better. I, I, I wouldn't They're put forth better. the effort on that. But no, but but the thing you heard is, it here. <laughs> Generation <laughs> X is better than Dark Phoenix. <laughs> That's what John said. Art's better. It, I'm pretty sure the writing's is. better. Uh, I'm sorry. 1980s, and they're going to a a malt shop to have malts, yeah. and then they're going to go to a disco in the 80s because they live in River River uh, Riverdale, basically. No, they're going to Pops. I, I didn't see Archie or Jughead in those okay. pictures, so they were in the background. It's like top shelf. It's I can like, still uh, pull up these pictures. Where Chris and I were sending the awfulness of that book back to each other and laughing hysterically. That was the best part of the book. <laughs> that was the Mining. best part of the book, was like sifting through the ashes of the phoenix to find those gems to then be like, this is hilarious how bad and poorly written this is. Uh, but, yeah. 
the thing, the, not, not a fan of Generation X. Not, yeah. not a fan. And the fact that this is the launch, the relaunching point of the X Men books, this is one of them. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this, well, I, I feel like we should talk about Cable because Cable's another relaunch of the rebranding. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know if you want to jump over there yet or no. Uh, yeah, we just can jump. We can jump because um, Cable's also part of this whole X Men relaunch thing. And while there's not a lot to it, I actually dug this book more than I thought I was going to. I thought it was funny because it was like Seven Samurai meets the uh, Magnificent Seven meets Cable. And it's like, oh, it's it's both those movies with Cable. Yeah, uh, written <laughs> by James movie. Robinson, art by Carlos Pacheco, who I, mean, I think we're fans of both of these creators. I mean, we've talked about them both multiple times on the show, so... Yeah, James Robinson I used to love uh, during Starman and also uh, with the Justice Society of America. Uh, he was a co-writer on that for he's a while. A, he's a writer who, who has definitely had some big hits and some big misses for mm. us as readers. Uh, the Invaders was a miss for us. <laughs> the Invaders wasn't too bad. We read at least the first couple of them before yeah. we fell off of it. Because we're like, oh, Yeah, I feel more. like that was more just like a falling off of like, like it wasn't an active disliking of it. It was just being bored by it <laughs> and the, and the selling point of this book was cable mm-hmm. who's a character that i've i've liked since i was a little kid and then the fa- robot arms tra- travels through time child of uh phoenix and cyclops so it's not the like and then the fact that it was james robinson and carlos pachenko yeah. and pachenko's great All right. could you say that with this book you know what it's not bad um i don't mind i feel it. for the the most part, it's pretty good. There's one weird panel with Cable where his eyes are really wide set, like they're super like elongated. But everything else, I think, was okay. Uh, like I don't think it's like his standard artwork, but I think it might have been like usually a little with, bit more rushed. With Carlos I think Pachenko, it was very I think... rushed because there's there's a lot of like side profiles of Cable where it looks really bad. I think Carlos Pachenko gets in trouble when he has to draw group scenes. Where everybody becomes like it's almost as if instead of it the television being formatted for sixteen by nine, it's the four by three picture and you stretch them out so they all become string beans. I like, I that's, feel this is that's this is happens. him being like I'm such an amazing artist and people t- talk a lot about John Romita Jr. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna draw kind of <laughs> like John Romita Jr. Because if you look at I'm, I I just I'm thumbing through this and I'm like. If you told me this was Pachenko, I'd be like, you're fucking insane. This is not, no. This is someone who's not that great of an artist. Okay. I, re- I really feel like this, I, I, it's... Like, after that X-Men run uh, that, he, that Carlos Pachenko had that I was reading, I was, you know, this feels like that. It, it looks like that. It the scene with the samurais is, I think, the closest to his artwork. Anytime I see Cable in this, I feel like it's it's Ramita. No, I, I mean, like when you're looking at Cable straight on, I can kind of see that. Like, because I'm just I'm flipping through now too, where he's got the guy strung up in the saloon. Like, looking at that page, like that that looks good. But there's like the one inset panel where it's kind of weird. But I, I think for the most part, like it's a it's a solid looking book. Like I don't think it's bad, but I don't think it's his best artwork. And if you, I mean, flip to where he 
he lands in Japan in his face and then go to the next page uh, where it's him looking at a field and he sees a fire and then the top the top right hand corner yeah. is is Cable's face like that looks Ramita esque and it's just it's like one of the last pages with the samurais where you're like oh that looks like his artwork. Uh, so I guess you could say like maybe inconsistent, but that could just be due to scheduling and it being rushed. It, but yeah. I, I feel like it's still like it's a it's a solid looking book. Like, I, and here's the thing: this is my favorite book of the four that we read. <laughs> <laughs> so it, I enjoyed the bit of the story, and Chris is or uh, Paul is right when he said like, "Hey, it's the Magnificent Seven and <laughs> Samurai meets Cable." It's still not a great story, no. and I kind of I enjoy the thought of well. What, okay, what is the story? Because it's very, like, it's wafer thin to, like, have Cable jumping through time. Uh, so it is it is Cable on the hunt of another time traveler who is putting obstacles in Cable's path. And it seems like he's trying to be the one who stops those obstacles. It's Cowboy's a cowboy gang who have like laser guns and he quickly easily shuts those guys down. And then he takes them like, where was the next jump point? And he's like, uh, quantum leaping. Then mm-hmm. after that guy where farther in into the past is Carmen San Diego, uh, farther into the past with the samurais who the samurais make a short work of cable. Uh, they prepared for a fight. And they had, like, digital swords. We prepared for war. Yes, they had digital swords and digital arrows. Uh, so it's this, Who you know... Who knew that 1980s it's almost graphics this, was the downfall of Cable? Like, this Terminator-esque version of Cable hunting through time, someone else who is setting up characters to try to stop, you know... They're the, they're the ones running down the hall and tipping over the chair. Mm-hmm. And like, that'll stop the serial killer. <laughs> And then, like, just Michael Myers walking down the hall and be like, I'm just going to sidestep and keep walking after you. Uh, it follows. You say that. Did you see the movie? No. Don't even. I've read the DM, the uh, Wikipedia entry what? for it. That's so weird. I heard such good things about it. I had to read the Wikipedia. It's not that good. Oh, really? Yeah. It's it's a fun book. I, I like this more than Generation book. X, but. Oh, Cable. Okay, Cable. Okay, yeah, and I would agree. This no. ties into that that X Men rebranding, relaunching. In aside from the the young classic X Men in today's world, that's the only one I really liked so far. And mm-hmm. we've read four of these in the Zero issue, well, right? The one yeah. that was, but that was basically a zero. It was a zero. Yeah. It was a setup for yeah, all yeah, of yeah. these. Yeah. <laughs> I think the only one we missed was the the uh, Weapon, X, Weapon one. X one, and I it, the Domino. X-Men, and then we didn't. Yeah. Is there a Domino one? Well, the one well, with the they have a with check. Domino. The, Domino's the in the Weapon the X. Oh, Weapon X. Is it called Weapon X? Yes. Okay. I believe well, so. It's missed. called Weapon X. We missed. So that. there's okay. I went to the checklist. There's X Men Gold, X Men Blue, Weapon X, All New Wolverine, which we didn't read. Um, Generation X, Jean Grey, Cable, and then coming out there's Iceman, Old Man Logan, and Astonishing X Men. 
which Astonishing X-Men might be promising. I don't know. It's interested Jeff in that one. It's Jeff Whedon right That's the Charles Soule one. Oh, oh that, that okay, will well, probably maybe. be semi-good. He's uh, a lawyer. Daytime. <laughs> like, I don't. Th- I think he's pretty. I think he pretty much is writing comic books no, no. now at this point. No, I think he make more money yeah, than being a lawyer. Stop doing law. He doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> if, any, if, really? if anything, it's the um, Ed I, doing law. I want to hear what Chris yeah, has to say. What? Chris, what? Oh uh, yeah, say? he stopped doing law because he just loves comic books that much. Uh, because he's writing he's, all comic books. <laughs> he's the Jeff Johnson. Um, I, I read, like I heard an interview. He actually he sits around now and like he does like well, a consultation like with uh, people that he used to work with. But yeah, now it's pretty much all all comics all the time. So he's the Ed version of Law. Like he's running a instead of running a a bowling alley, he's writing comic books. Like Ed from the NBC show Ed. Yeah. He was a lawyer in a bowling alley. This is a, a lawyer writing comic books. They're kind of the same. The guy for, you mean Harry so, yeah, Wells you know, from The Flash. Yeah, yeah. Okay. we know that you now know who he is. No, I don't know who he is. <laughs> he was in Scrubs. He played what's-his-name's brother. He shows up with a cake. Dad's dead. You know who he is. Yeah. Somebody should have showed up at my door and told, to tell me that Batman was dead. Come on. Come on, where was my kid? Anyways, uh, he's getting married to he's getting married to uh, Selena Kyle. Oh. So, what book do we want to do next? Do we want to keep going let's, with? Uh... Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go let's, back to your book, Wicked Chris. Yeah, Wicked in the Vine. But first, because we're having okay, because uh, well, we should just do Black Bolt because I'm signed into my account. Oh. Did you unsign? Okay, we'll do the review and I'll unsign during this. Yeah, so we're going to go back to Chris. Wicked and Divine. Well, do you want to do, do, you want to do your beer? We're yeah, going to do our beer. We're going to go to uh, what Jenny said. And this is uh Jenny said. It's a double I, double dry hopped double IPA. From Single Cut out of New York City. Uh, Single Cut is one of those uh, breweries that seemed like Buffalo needed to figure out its a great, great beer because it used to sit on the shelf at Premier. That was grim. That's no, nice. single cut used to sit as well. Okay, yeah, it was one of those ones that took a while. And now, yeah. like as soon as it comes out with a fresh IPA, everybody's like, "Yes, get it, get it all, get it now, get to the chopper." Uh and this is a, this one is a more that English multi style. IPA, but it with has a lot of mango. It does have a tinge of mango. It's got a, a mango-y, sweetness-y thing. You, see, you need to sip on that because you just finished your Enjoy By. You need to get that tongue back into the Getting crazy sweet. flavors of this beer. Because mm-hmm. remember, we had this I know. You know, four days ago together as well. But even then, it's more that multi-sweetness. Yes, I do get a little bit of that fruit mango. This and, and this that hop is all and, power. And this beer, we're drinking it out of the can now. We had it out of glasses uh, a couple days ago, and it pours like damn ne- you, Colonel Mustard. It pours like neon orange juice. It has got this amazing <laughs> color to it. E- of Ecto cooler, kind of. Uh, Ecto cooler was green though. Hmm. Uh, but it's got like this neon orange, unfiltered. Uh, 30 to 40% of this is like a wheat beer to have it as hazy as it is with hop particles 
mm-hmm. uh, in the beer, and you, you couldn't see my quotation motes there because it, it does have these. Yeah. It does actually have hot particles in it. Um, an amazing drinking beer. Uh, it just it. We drank this last because when we had it last couple mm-hmm. days, you know, we had a four, yeah. four days ago. Yeah. Uh, it overpowered the next beer that we had, so Big I was like, sunshine. "This needs to be the the last beer we drink." Um, and it takes a little bit getting into this beer to finally tell your tongue what it is over the you know why big beer that was stone you know why it's blowing out our taste buds we should have realized because right on the bottom of the uh can it says 111 ibus 90 90 90 for enjoy by i uh, hate ibus was the passion ibus oh. are for the brewers they don't print it they shouldn't but there are people out there like ah if it's high ibus i can't drink it because i don't like hops it's like printing the alpha and the beta, like, at, uh, what, what what's the alpha and the beta hop thing that they balance things with as well. That's pretty much what the IBUs yeah. are, are doing. Uh, it's a great beer. Mm-hmm. Um, almost everything from Single Cut we've had, I think, has knocked our socks off. The only time it hasn't was when we had the bonbon mm-hmm. which was supposed to be the hazy unfiltered and we had a clear version of yeah. it we either had like the uh first the first oral. pour or just like bad batch kind of a thing um but now they've gone to all tall boy 16 ounce cans um they're no longer doing the 16 ounce bottles and i think that's kind of been better for everything we've almost had from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a company that I let you know when something's coming in, and we both end up... Paul and I both bought five cans of it for $5 each. Uh, probably some of the best IPAs I've had in a long time from them. I have two more left. I have one more left. You didn't have to share one with your wife because she doesn't like IPAs. Kate will drink an IPA. Like she had, uh, we were out at a bar and she had a. Oh, she'd actually, she'd like this. You should give one of your cans to her. I will. Uh, if she would like actually sit down and drink a whole can with me. Uh, this is the one. Po- we were Chris- out at a bar and I ordered New School because it was on tap because it was three dollars and who Ooh. doesn't pull that? Uh, and Kate's like, "Ooh, I really like that." I'm like, "It's my favorite IPA right now." You should try it really fresh. <laughs> I know. Uh, this whenever, is, whenever Nimble Giant shows up, I'm buying one of those six packs. It'll be Wednesday. Packs. Yeah, Wednesday. Uh, uh, this is one of those beers that we Paul and I bartered with each other because Paul bought four and I was like, "Well, I'll buy four too." And when you come over to my house, we'll drink two of mine together. Mm-hmm. And then when I come over for the podcast, we'll drink two of yours. And we're like, and Paul's like, "Wait a minute!" And he had to like do the math in his head for a second. He's like, "Okay." That works out. We'll do that. <laughs> I was like, oh, I will give you two of my beers that you're taking out of your fridge so it's all even. Mine were chilled. like, no, we're drinking it for the podcast, Paul. I'm like, oh, okay. That makes sense. Makes sense. I had the ability to chill mine down so we could drink it right away uh, mm-hmm. four days ago. 
It's awesome. It's got a magno. It's it's it's, it's some yeah. of it, they make some of the best IPAs we can think about talking what about. What is the IP? What, what's the and alcohol I, on this? Oh, uh, seven point seven. Seven point seven. How many IBUs is it? One hundred and eleven. One hundred and eleven means it not. is. Wow, it is, I can't drink that one. It is the craps of uh, beer because seven and then eleven craps table. And also uh, something that really only means anything to Paul and I, because we live in the Buffalo area, and to our Buffalo listeners, uh, XPA 10, which we reviewed months mm-hmm. ago, is going to become their all-year-round all IPA uh, wow. at Woodcock Brothers. I'm going to enjoy that. And it, I believe it's going to be canned and on the shelves. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, well, it's, it's just going to be called Woodcock Brothers IPA, yep. or double IPA. I think it's just IPA. Wow. That'll be good. That will be good. Uh, a little bit of news cosmic... that I meant to tell Paul earlier that I remember right now. Better than Resurgence Cosmic Truth. Yes. Sorry, Chris. I know you enjoy Cosmic Truth, but Woodcock Brothers... I don't, I don't remember if I like yeah, that. I don't think Sorry. he knows that. When we went to Resurgence, that's the one that you came out really liking. When did you guys go to Resurgence? Two Chris visits ago. Yeah, I don't even remember that. Yeah, I don't think it probably tastes the same as what came out in Cannes. Uh, no, no, we were there. Okay, yeah, in Cannes. I, I think Chris... Sitmo was good. Uh, after next week, I, you might be getting a package in the mail. Mm-hmm. And you might have a Jenny set. Wonderful. And you're definitely going to have uh, one or two cans of Nimble Giant. Ooh, Fantastic. Uh, Yes, it depends on how how much I buy and how much I'm willing to, to give you. Well, I'm buying. Well, also, but here's the thing: it also depends on how it travels too. So yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, maybe we'll we'll throw in some. I got I got some other beers. I I got some I got some stuff. I'm gonna send you. Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe I, Paul and I'll put together I, a little. I say you can take one of these. I say hold course. hold on to it though because I don't know how it's gonna travel and who knows how long it's gonna be sitting outside or anything before I get to it too. Mm. Those raccoons will just dig in like salt and vinegar chips. Those, those, ra- those raccoons will get to it. And then also, if it winds up sitting in a mailbox until I get home, it's going to be baking in like a 90-degree box. So Maybe we pack it in dry ice. Ooh. Yeah. We can get dry ice. We can just dry it. We're going to dry ice it for you. We're going to send you... That works. Yeah. And maybe we'll like, try to... We'll pay the extra price to one day ship it to them or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, might as well use it while I still have it. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the company could have made it if we just didn't spend so much on shipping stuff. <laughs> yeah. So let's get into our next book, which is the annual. Let's call it an annual for okay, um, for Wicked and Divine. Like, it's like a one shot. This is something that they have decided that they're going to be doing. Uh, Wicked and Divine from Image Comics. Uh, this is 455 AD, written by Kieran Gillen, art by Andre Lima Arruyo. Um, this is telling the story about the Twilight of the Gods like two cycles ago um, in think, ancient Rome. More, or, or actually, more, it's, right, yeah, it's more than that. It's definitely. more than two cycles. I'm, I'm thinking other stuff, sorry. Because um, what's, what's great about this book, not to cut you off, but like it says, you know, Wicked and Divine... <laughs> Uh, it has the, out of the uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 gods that are reborn every year. This is a story of one of them in 1455. And brief, really quick, 
every 90 years, 12 gods, uh, so I was wrong, 12 gods uh, <laughs> return as young people. They are loved, they are hated. In two years, they are dead. This is the year. Wow, it sounds like you're reading that. I, 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 I'm reading it right from here. Uh, the year is 455. It's happening now. It's happening again. And it's like, boom, book, turn the page. South of Rome, 455. And then, I mean, the story starts. And mm-hmm. it's just, you know, if you want to go into it, Chris, I just thought, like, that was, like, the best way to describe this book and just a, boom, this is it. It's kind of like Star Star Wars. This yeah, is a Wookiee. Scroll. No, no, but, like, this is a Wookiee. Yeah. It's a big, hairy thing. Fucking deal with it. We're not explaining it. And then you go into, like, another movie, and it's like, this is my laser blaster. Uh, it shoots lasers out of the top, it runs off of crystals, and now I have to buy more crystals to shoot my gun. And then it's all about crystals or something. I want to see that Over-explained movie. bullshit. What movie is that? <laughs> it's, called Chris, it's called Crystal Blasters. <laughs> but it's like, it doesn't... Guy King it and the Legends it of doesn't Tomorrow. dumb it down, it doesn't over-explain. It's not the Generation X over-explanation of what's going on in this book. Yeah. Uh, and... And that's actually how the Wicked and Divine proper series starts off. Um, this is something that's happened before. It keeps happening. You're kind of just thrown into it with this crazy cast of characters. Um, that works to the book's benefit, where everyone's kind of coming in fresh. And you guys are technically walking in to the same way as I've been with this special like one-shot issue. Um, because, yeah, we might have seen these characters before, but it's a completely different version of that character. It's a different story. And we're jumping into 455 AD at the tail end of this, I guess you can call it dynasty, uh, whatever you want to refer to it as, uh, with Lucifer who just decides, no, I'm, I'm not going to die. I'm, I'm not going to do it. Um, and that's, that's kind of where, where we are. Uh, because yeah, like in the original series, the first opening pages are like the, the 1900s characters, sitting around a table and then all kind of killing themselves. And then it jumps to present day Mm -hmm. uh, with these characters. Uh, And in this one, yeah, it's the, you know, Hey, where are you going? Hey, I'm Lucifer. I'm going to kill all those, those Christian Huns and walks over the thing. And then you see a big explosion and it's this guy. It's this guy going, Hey, I'm Lucifer. Now I'm the, I'm Julius. I'm the King of Rome. Emperor. Emperor. Yeah. Uh, and I found this very interesting till about maybe halfway through the book. But then again, Lucifer was a playwright actor? He, yeah, it, it seems like Lucifer was an actor before he became like, the guy. No, this is just the, the next part. I'm- yeah, I'm playing here. Now I'm going to play Julius and call me Julius. But everybody knows that he was a play actor, too, because when he goes to the Senate, he's like, yeah, from the humble gutter trash of just an actor, I am now Julius, your king. And it's like, what? No, that's not Julius Caesar. I watched the HBO show Rome. Well, then you should have known that any person who's the emperor of Rome calls themselves Julius. No, they call themselves Caesar. Caesar. So step back off of me, bro. I'm drunk. Okay. You can say, sorry, you were right, Paul. <laughs> Which would be the first time. Sorry, you are right, Paul. First and time. And that's not the right, that's not the first time. <laughs> I've given yeah, you yeah. props that's before. True. That's true. 
Uh, but no, and this, it seemed a little weird, like, and everybody's kind of going along with it, but then again, they're trying to set him up for failure, too, because they're like... And then he turns them into yeah, body bags <laughs> of musical he instruments. brutally destroys them. Uh, I think crazy. I definitely think if you're someone... I fell off of Wicked Divine probably about volume two. And it just was... I wasn't downloading the issues to read them. I wasn't borrowing the issues to keep up on what was happening. I think knowing something of the series, at least knowing uh, 12 issues of the series... I have some involvement in this. It was great to see one of these characters choosing not to die when they were supposed to die and how it all fell apart and that I would have liked to have seen it more of it falling apart because mm-hmm. obviously he probably killed his lover who he's then seeing as a vision. Bacchus, uh, Dionysus. Before he, you know, tries mm-hmm. to, you know, bring forth more power and then burn out his eyes. But, it felt like it was like a rushed, in a way, version because it's like, hey, you're gonna find trouble, and then it's like, eh, I'm in the middle of trouble, and I'm not gonna explain why, and now I'm dead. In, in the main series, Chris, did they explain like why these characters can't have the right of Christian burial? Because it was a big pag- thing. Here. They're pagans. Yeah, they're they're, they're pagan, pagan gods. gods. But will they not be able to like reincarnate? later on if they get the christian burial like if lucifer gets christian burial he's no longer he can no longer come back as lucifer later on in the series like is that a thing no that, that's that's or is no, it that's just nothing like, that's ever been discussed at all before okay. it's like a don't taste me bro kind of sequence like don't give me christian burial bro it's not like there's any lasting repercussions i think it may be the person who because this feels it's kind of like the person gets these powers and then it's kind of what that person does with it mm-hmm. so maybe it's in the fact that these are pagan gods attached to these humans mm-hmm. and it's what will happen with the humans maybe because they're obviously if you're no that's not something that's ever been discussed in the book itself i feel like it might just be more one of those personal preference things where if you're an egyptian god you're going to want to have that egyptian death and burial it's more representative of like not who you are necessarily, but the god that you became. But who knows? Like this is the first time we've actually seen this type of situation happen because every other time one of the gods has died, it's been like in an explosion. So who no knows? funerals for like, this could be adding more depth to that story. What? No explosions for no funerals for exploded people. None. Nope. <laughs> just just cut up and thrown into the Tiber. Um, I, I enjoyed nice. seeing this one. Um, one of the previous ones actually took place in the 1800s. I didn't really get into that issue as much. But I don't know. I like this one a lot more. Uh, Lucifer is one of the characters that we were introduced to at the very beginning of the actual series um, mm-hmm. who dies. And then the rest of that first arc actually becomes kind of solving the who done it of uh, what happened to Lucifer. So seeing the character, albeit a different version of it, is kind of cool because it's something that, you know, as a fan, you, you want to see more Lucifer. Um, and I think it was handled really well. It's it's not a must-read. Um, it's just adding cool like backstory to the, um, to the characters and to the story. Also worth mentioning, this book is not going to be collected in the Wicked and Divine trade paperbacks. So right now, um, 
this is the only way you're going to be able to read this book. Who knows if down the road we're going to get like omnibus versions that have everything collected. But yeah, there's that. And that was the thing I was going to ask is, is this the first kind of quote unquote annual that we've gotten? Because I uh, obviously just said that it, it wasn't. No, there uh, there was another one that came out previously. Like I guess you could say maybe like two of them. Um, one that took place in, I want to say the 1800s, uh, that focused on uh, Bale. And then there was another quote-unquote annual that was actually done almost like a magazine where it was all articles about the gods. And then there's like photography of them all done like pin-up style from different artists. So, I mean, so it, it's something you can expect at a Karen Gillian giving you a different aspect of comic book writing and figuring out how to do that. Because obviously doing it like articles about the gods is very different than just doing a comic book about him. So, uh, yeah, I think, and I think it's really cool that it's his baby. He can do that if he wants. You know, it's, it's an image book. Like he has complete say and do what, what the, what's happened. And he's someone that is willing to break different walls and barriers to tell stories. He's not someone who just goes, Oh, this is a comic book. So it has to be in comic book form. I can't have like kid Loki break the wall and move between panels and free the people through a panel, you know, like there's no rhyme and reason to this guy. He's going to tell a good story and do what he wants. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes we, so go ahead, Chris. Okay. Um, no, you can, you can go ahead and say what you're going to say. Cause I had say, a question. But sometimes we get to the Batman issue of Chris, the Grant Morrison, where it's the just complete up straight, just book format of telling the a prose, story. The prose, quote unquote story. version. I and think we're that's like, a, ugh, that's, I don't want to read that's this That's two different writers. Uh, I think I, I, I think, think it's Grant, on a spectrum, and Karen Gillan sometimes reaches a little close to the Grant Morrison. Yeah, but it's the more interesting part of the Grant Morrison, where then like there's the interesting part of Grant Morrison, and then there's ten steps so beyond that crazy it's like Grant Morrison. Uh, crazy Grant Morrison. And I think with the something... Coyote. So, something with Wicked and Divine, where it is something that you could tell in, like, pin-up articles about something mm-hmm. or a character's... I think that is something that really shows. And, you know, like, the whole time I'm reading this and I'm like, oh, Rome is burning, mm-hmm. you know, with Lucifer snapping his fingers and causing fire to explode. It was like, oh, Rome's burning. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it had that little kind of pop in my head of a nomenclature that is commonly said Rome is burning kind of a right. thing. Uh, so yeah, it's it's definitely very... I, I, I don't think he's... I think he's in a way thinks a little outside the box, maybe like Grant Morrison, but it's not Grant Morrison singing a thing. There's no, there's no Red Sock Grant uh, Morrison. No, no. Uh, what's his name? Karen Gillan. Karen Gill. Yes. Yeah, I, I think for him, it's more of a way of like, hey, what's an interesting way to tell this story and pursuing that rather than like, a, I have a fucking crazy t- uh, tale to tell. I'm going to do it all through pictograms drawn on cave walls mm-hmm. told in a slideshow. Right. Not yet, at least. Not, not, not yet, yet, at least. Uh, <laughs> Give him 10, 15 years in the comic book industry. You'll get there, Killing Gillian. You'll get and there. I, I realized when I brought this one to the the table that this is kind of my second pick in two months that requires a little bit of previous knowledge about what the story is um this and then uh coheed and cambria on wars 
Yeah. Um, on Earth, Volume 3, uh, was the one that we were reading. This one, I think, is a little bit more accessible, but I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on it. And if this makes you want more, or if this makes you care less, or how it works. This would make me want to look through your back catalog to find the other... I I wouldn't read the pinup version of it, you know, like mm-hmm. the articles about no, it. No, that, that, that one's not actual, like... Mm-hmm. It's just stories about us and then, like, interviews with some of them. Like, you don't have to. It doesn't really add any depth to the story. I, I appreciate... Jamie McKelvey a break. I appreciate the idea, but to me, it would just be like, ugh, I'm not going to read this. Um, where the other one where it's, a, you know, another, like, you know, like you said, 1800s kind of version of it. I'd be interested in reading that. I'm not someone who's kept up with the series, but it's a series that I want to finish reading. I just haven't gotten around to it. And I'm someone who buys a lot of trades on sale on Comixology, and I'm just waiting to get around to reading them. Um, and I... It's it's summer in Buffalo, and it's kind of my favorite time to read where I can just be like, you know what, I'm going to go sit outside and just read for an hour to two hours mm-hmm. to three hours and go through, as as go through everything. Yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of like excited to that, and I've like, it's been... <laughs> It's been months, but in the last week, I've been charging my tablet, uh, where I don't think I tab- charged my tablet since last summer, uh, just to charge it to be like, hey, I'm going to read this in a full-page form, because I have a big old tablet that I can read it on. Um, so no, it's it's one of those things that it's a series I want to keep up on, and this got me back into wanting to keep up on that uh, that book. Uh, the next book we have to speak about is the one that I bought, uh, and this is written by... The Character Study, written uh, by... Salidin Hamid and Christian Ward on art and cover. Uh, Black Bolt. This is Black Bolt number one, and, you know, the the little blurb about this was like, Black, Bur- uh, Black Bolt, imprisoned. How is he going to escape? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, interesting. Let's see where this goes. Uh, a black, and this is the first time Black Bolt has, it is, has had his own title. Uh, before, it's always been just Inhumans that he's been attached with. Uh, so this is Black Bolt awakening in a prison, mm-hmm. uh, escaping from his kind of quote-unquote cell and then finding the other inmates, and then finding the people who are keeping him there. And then at the end of the book, I roll, he imprisoned himself here. Well, by accident, because he wanted to imprison his brother, but his brother was able to pull a fast one and impersonate him and cause Black Bolt to be imprisoned. Is that... I, I, that's what I got from it. I read it as he imprisoned himself in here. No, no. Chris, tiebreaker. I'm, I'm going to go back and relook at it. Okay. Because Sorry. everything it says, it's like, oh, I was going to send my my uh, brother. He was I pulling think a fast one, and I tried to imprison him, but he pulled another fast one where he masquerades as me, and I was sent here instead. Oh, right here. Last thing. I put myself here. Right, right. Because of his actions... 
of trying to yeah, send his brother here. Yeah, it's as like a literal. His actions that basically was to send his brother here led him to co- go to that prison. Right, Chris? Yes. Thank you. So See, Chris agrees uh, right. with me. Mr. Mr. Hey, you've made it back. After he killed you, I mean, not everyone does. Cool. Thanks for trying to help me, but why? Not everybody does. Not that it really matters, of course. Because anyway, even death. I am. But here I, and it's like alien thing. But here I go, Blinky. What's your name? And what'd you do? Who put you here? I am called Black Bolt. I put myself here. And I, to me, yeah, I, I, I read that as it's his own actions that put him there. Yeah, not that. He put him. He's not like, hey. In the book, he talks oh. about putting his brother here, and right. his brother escape. His brother gets out of here, and now this is the prison that he's put himself in for his previous actions. No, I think that's where we. His brother tricks him in order. I never read everybody. his brother. Paul, it's in the sh- book. Show me where he it's, says it's, it's in there. Where, like there's a scene of like Maximus or whatever his name is, yeah. like shape-shifting. It's when he's, like, going through, like, the Escher-like stairs. Yeah, and, uh, M.C. Escher's. Yeah, exactly, M.C. Escher's here. That's what annoyed me about this book, is it's, like, yeah, it's the prison of the mind, where anything can but happen. I'm just gonna read this, read yeah. the caption here, but instead, using an image inducer, Maximus switched places with him, and now Black Bolt is the prisoner. Okay. He is one of the most powerful beings on Earth, but here his power fails him. And his captor knows him, knows that his whisper can blow up walls and shout can level cities. The muzzle doesn't break the way his bonds did. And then even when his muzzle break, his whisper doesn't have the effect that he thought it would. And Okay. He, he actually has a voice now. Yeah, because it's a series called Black Bolt, so you got to have your character have a voice. Therefore, he has to speak. I don't know, we liked him before as the uh, the silent bartender, though, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually enjoyed this. This is probably one of my favorite Inhumans books that we've read. I mean, I know it's not like some that we read a lot of, but thick um, Inhumans renaissance over the past couple years. I I dug this one. Um, I'm surprised you guys didn't like it more, especially because the artwork a lot. Um, oh, the artwork's reminds me really well in it. A, it reminds me a lot of Fraser Irving. Yeah, definitely. Like just like the like the line work and like the like the colors and everything. It just felt very. Like, by the numbers for me, though. Like, the book itself. Not the art. The art was good. It was passable. Uh, but, oh, you're in a prison. Therefore, you have to beat up the strongest guy there. Enter Crusher, a.k.a. the Absorbing Man, who's, like, the most... Like, he's the guy that you send into a fight to fall down during a fight. <laughs> he is that guy. Like, oh, you need to fight somebody? Here, have... The Crusher, Absorbing Man. He seems to be the fall guy for fights. Like, and then he beats But the, the whole thing is set up like where Black Bolt's talking about, like how it's way too easy for him to get out of here. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think Crusher's actually necessarily there for him to be the absolute stop. Like, he's not supposed yeah. to be the, the wall that breaks him. He's supposed to be the wall that falls down on his way there, because even afterwards, Creel's just like, eh, alright, well, you know, good luck with everything, bye. Yeah. Pretty much. What a joke. This but isn't... it seems like in the middle of the book that like we need some action here. Oh, let's throw this guy in the way. It seemed very formulaic. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I like... would say it definitely seems very formulaic. It's the uh, quote unquote fortress 
which is the uh, uh, what's his name from um, Highlander uh, movie. Uh, the guy who played Highlander. I can't think of his name. Christopher Lambert. Christopher Lambert, you know, sci-fi movie. This reminded oh. me of that awful, like, late 80s, early 90s movie. And then I'm about to escape, and then I don't escape. And I'm back at square one. Because it was all a mental game. Uh, yeah, like, the most I know and feel about the Inhumans is from the Paul Jenkins and Ja Lee mm-hmm. book. Um, and then we've read quite a quite a bit more than I ever wanted to read about Inhumans in the last year with them being the big push from Marvel, you know, cutting out the X-Men, everyone now is an Inhuman, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Now you Even have Agents to... of S.H.I.E.L.D. is like Inhumans all the yeah. way. Now you have to read Inhumans. And yet we don't care. We don't care. And the fact that the Inhumans series is going to be starting on tv and is going to be shown in movie theaters a month before the it does does on theater it doesn't matter and i don't care and this book makes me they don't have more not care i think the last time that from the uh jenkins inhumans run Mm -hmm. was the only thing that like was oh hey it's black bolt was uh, your favorite writer, who I mentioned earlier, uh, uh, Hickman. Hickman, when it was his Avengers book, and there was an assassin trying to kill Black Bolt, and he just turned and he was like, "Don't!" and he killed the dude. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I don't, I don't care about Inhumans because, and I Black, bought this book. Black Bolt is not Wolverine. If you had this book, and it's Wolverine instead of, of Black Bolt. Automatically, I think he gets more readers. I think it sells more books. Because he had Wolverine in hell. He had Wolverine, you know, Wolverine fighting against all odds, being imprisoned. And he dies, not dies, but gets regenerated. You know, he just regenerates and shows back up at the end. And he's like, hey. Uh, But are you talking about us as readers, the three of us? No, no, I'm talking about the overall comic book readers. Like the royal we I think this book sells more if it was Wolverine instead of Black Bolt, number one. And I think people would be more interested in, in this in picking up number two if it was Wolverine. And because you could tell... It's the same story. It's the exact same story if Wolverine shows up and he was trying to imprison Sabretooth in a cross-dimensional prison that... Iron Man created versus the Inhumans as this whole thing. This is Black Bolt. The thing is, X-Men have cachet in the greater comic book reading audience and the no matter how much Marvel tries to push Inhumans, they just don't. They don't because they spent so long never in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Because Your X-Men thoughts, was the book of the 90s, 80s and 90s. Um, I, I think it, it's not right to say like, oh, they keep trying to make Inhumans a thing. I think that it is a thing and that's why we're seeing this kind of stuff. I, we know Marvel only publishes stuff that's actually going to wind up making them money. I, I feel like we're just so removed from the comic book store now since we just go digital for everything. Like we, you don't see the stack of Inhumans books on the shelf. No, we don't frequent that lifestyle as much anymore 
Um, so while to us it might seem like, oh, no, they're, they're just trying, they're trying too hard, like they keep doing this, it's got to be working for them. I think Marvel slash Disney is willing to cut the nose off their face in order to, like, not publish the X-Men movie to give, or the X-Men uh, franchise in order to not give free publicity to Fox until they get a deal. Now that they got a deal with Fox, they might bring back the Fantastic Four. They brought back at Wolverine. They, they brought back Wolverine after Old Man Logan movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Logan movie. So, it, it, well, what do you mean they brought back Wolverine? Well, he's gonna. He's the the all new Wolverine. Like at the end of one of those X Men issues, was the extra thing where it's like almost semi like blonde hair. You think it's Sabretooth, but then it's Wolverine. Like they're bringing back Wolverine in the in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't think so because all new Wolverine is um, X twenty three. But they're bringing. They showed the clip of uh, young Wolverine. They're bring. Yeah, there's a time displaced Wolverine. There's the old man Logan, and uh, it's just so. And also Sabretooth is running around, and also X twenty three. Don't ask me to keep up on. We these. we saw him fighting the Windigos in one of the bullshit X Men books that I was forced to read. I don't know. I feel like they're opened up to bring back Wolverine now that Hugh Jackman said he's not going to play it, and they don't have a place to put him in the movies right now. And I feel like they're the franchise Wolverine that is comic books is ready to come back. That's what I was taking from what I've had to read in in X Men, but. I could be wrong, and I'm known to be wrong. Fall into the bathroom, so I'll, I'll pause it if we're ready to wrap it up. Yeah, I think we're ready. And I'm going to have to stop you guys right there. Uh, we're an hour and 50 minutes in, and hey, for a free podcast that might be published who knows when, uh, that's that's good value right there. Uh, you got to hear our thoughts on all of the four books that we reviewed with The Wicked and Divide number... What? what, what? Annual. Well, no number, just... Uh, this annual, uh, Cable number one, Black Bolt number one, and Generation X number one. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please rate us and review us over on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you might find the actual episode. Uh, follow us over on Facebook. Join in the conversation when we actually talk about things on the Facebook page. Like, comment. We like hearing from you. And a lot of times we make comments on the show and we love to hear more of, you know, whether we are right or not, or how you feel, or yes, I agree, or no, I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it keeps Yes, us... the Brendan Fraser movies are the best. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, I think Box Office Mojo showed us that. But, uh, yeah, we would love to hear your feedback as well. It keeps us going, knowing that we're not just shouting out into the void of the internet that somebody actually is hearing. You know, send us that echo. Send us a little reverb on that uh it it makes me feel like it's worthwhile and we heard we heard something back when we did our star wars uh better you know the better characters we heard back from a a a listener and and even more in the past we've heard we've heard more and we enjoy it it Mm -hmm. keeps us going on so thank you